0: Hello and welcome to the Building Cities, Shaping Lives podcast, where we talk about how architecture, engineering, and managed services are shaping the world that we live in. This podcast is brought to you by the Sabana Jurong Group. I'm your host, Daniel Lee, and I'm part of the SJ Group Communications and Branding team. What comes to mind when you think of good architecture? The word may conjure gravity-defying structures, iconic monuments, as well as beautiful and stunning sketches for competitions that are virtually impossible to build in real life but that's not all that architects work on. They design places for you and I, and a big part of that involves deeply understanding who we are and what we need most from the spaces we dwell in. I'm joined today by Charles Arna, Senior Associate Director at SAA Architects. And he was recently recognized as one of Singapore Business Review's Most Outstanding Architects Under 40. He's worked on St Joseph's Home that won the World Architecture News Silver Award in 2019. Welcome to the studio, Charles! Thank you Thanks for joining us I also wanted to understand about One of your more recent projects The St. Joseph's Home So you know, one key thing that always stood out to me When I was looking at uh, that design Was just how linked to nature it is For uh, the residents of that nursing home So can you tell us a little bit more About the role that you know, nature plays uh, In that project And maybe some of your key highlights of that project
1: Yes, so St. Joseph's Home Was an existing nursing home we went to visit the site, and we were actually quite stunned by the relationship between the different buildings on site. There's this chapel chapel in the center, a brick architecture, a beautiful landscape around it with a water feature, with a, uh, a statue in the middle, and then this two to three-story nursing home Uh, articulated as a L shape around it and when we went to the site we realized how serene it was. The residents were mainly on the ground floor they could wheel themselves on their wheelchair across the, the courtyard and having this freedom of being where they wanted to be in isolation or with the rest of the residents. And sort of having the the autonomy they, they could. Our intervention was really trying to preserve that relation between people, the courtyard, and and this sort of autonomy. As a matter of fact, when talking to the staff during workshops and as we try to understand how things are happening in the nursing home, We realized that the more autonomy residents have, the easier their their work will be. There's less frustration. Uh, A resident should be able to grab a glass of water himself um, without having the need of a nurse. Uh, We were really in this uh, sort of approach where we had to understand the staff, understand the residents, understand the beauty of the existing nursing home and where we could
0: go from there one question I was going to ask at first was are there differing needs between what the staff need, what the residents need, but even in what you just mentioned, even within the same group among residents, there might be some who prefer being alone, some who need the social connection, and some who yeah, one day they might prefer being alone, sometimes you know, they, they prefer being a bit more extroverted. So, yeah how do you actually create spaces that understand and, you know, build in all these different needs?
1: We like the building to be a a land of opportunities and uh, when we look at the needs for the residents and the needs for for the staff i think it's important to remember that in the same building uh, first uh, there is a cohabitation between the staff and the residents some residents uh, are staying on the uh, first five levels of the building and the level uh, the top level is for the the staff accommodation the people managing uh, the nursing home, which are those uh, wonderful Canossian sisters, uh, are staying on on the ground floor. So, it's not a home for the elderly only. It's a home for this entire ecosystem. And therefore, how do we help them? It's really, how do we create a home that feels like one? I think we see too many nursing homes that look a little bit uh, industrial a bit harsh a bit hard so to us it was really if we do the right thing as a home it will serve everyone in a, in a similar way i see
0: and i think really the whole idea here that you are mentioning is really making this a place that they can own that feels human rather than something that's you know sterile or something that feels very industrial or something that's built right So I think tied to that, I also wanted to get a bit of a sense of how do you understand their need. So what are some of the steps that you took as designers to, you know, put yourself in the shoes or even in the wheelchairs of uh, some of these residents?
1: Yes. So actually at the competition design stage, we were walking around this nursing home and I, I remember seeing a resident wheeling himself towards the sink trying to lean forward quite excessively because it was not really designed for for the user, the wheelchair user. And and here he was pouring some water in a glass and and uh, trying to squeeze it between his laps and wheel himself away from the kitchenette. At that particular moment I realized okay we we can do something to help. We asked ourselves what is going to be this nursing home when it's uh, five story high and uh, and how do we replicate this sort of experience of corridors pathways where the residents can move around in real in contact with some planters some nature, and also reminding ourselves of the authenticity of, of the old place so uh, we had to. Uh, to fight quite hard to get uh, this terracotta uh, on the facade as a as a reminder of the texture and the warmth of that material, which otherwise could have been uh, aluminium and looking rather industrial. So, interestingly, no great project happens without a great client, and and the client was extremely understanding. So the moment we would bring the samples on the table and they would be able to touch the terracotta versus uh, different alternatives,
0: they would completely understand where we were coming from. So really having clients that understand what you're trying to get at with you know some of these design interventions that you're making.
1: And therefore, thanks to them, we managed to create a nursing home like no other in Singapore.
0: How do we actually help to get building users to understand or how do we actually help to get someone who may not be speaking the design language uh, to be able to tell you what they really need or how do we get this empathy for our users? I
1: really don't think architects should should, uh, should uh, impose their ideas. Um, it's, it's really a collaboration that drives the best projects, in fact.
0: So speaking to their hearts and really understanding and listening, that's what matters.
1: Yeah, and, and well, in the case of the, the nursing home, we had, to, we had to understand the residents. We had to understand the caregivers and what are their frustrations. And um, to us, it was a, a pretty steep learning curve. But we also understood their challenges on a day-to-day basis. A resident who has dementia and every day forgets about who you are Uh, and gets very agitated and starts screaming. How do you handle this situation? And can natural light, can, you know, potential uh, addition of of greenery in the space ensure that the residents are in a much more calmer state? We also uh, talk to the sisters, the sisters uh, who need their privacy but at the same time have to uh, show some presence and also you know perhaps having a, a space that allows you know passive interaction so i can i can see what's going on without being Uh, inside the space I don't have to intrude into the work of the caregivers
0: I think for listeners who may be caregivers perhaps you know and maybe they are caring for family members who may be suffering from dementia or what are some design interventions that they can take to make their homes you know more appropriate or more elderly or dementia friendly
1: well of course universal design principles are key to not only to make the space safe, but also to provide the the right amount of autonomy. I think no one wants to be entirely dependent. This idea of dignity comes into play very strongly. One wonderful part of dignity uh, in St. Joseph's home is the fact that what we call uh, the peace room basically where residents are being placed after they pass on, this room has been placed next to the main entrance instead of somewhere in the back of the house. And it was basically accompanying the residents in as much dignity as possible. We also need to understand that caregivers, I consider them as angels, since uh, we worked on this, uh, on this project, their, their work is really not easy. Mm. This entire system, caregiver and, uh, and patient or resident in a, in a nursing home, has to be considered very strongly.
0: So, I think one of the things that I also wanted to understand is how would you think about empathy in, as a whole? You know? What does empathy mean to you, uh, both as Charles? and also as an architect.
1: With the architecture, we have the ability to uh, to really create the hardware for things to happen in the city. We design uh, mainly large projects, a lot of uh, public transportation, where so many people every day pass through, and, uh, and we realize that we can make an impact. I think we do care about design, but also how people move around, what kind of experience arise from each of the spaces in the city. We talk a lot about multi-generational community. And interestingly, back to the nursing home, there's a childcare that allows the old folks to spend time with the children in the in the playground inside the courtyard, and we think that this is a great way to stimulate, you know, the the interest of the youth, the uh, the memory of the elderly. Our buildings are, are here to last, and their impact is tremendous at many levels. So we We really try understanding every aspect of it, and you know our our team has uh many people from different countries different regions, different age group, and we really try to give the voice to everyone to be able to uh to to input as much as possible and make sure that what we design is uh is a truly great solution for.
0: For all, actually, I think you touched on a very important point—the entire notion of diversity among your design team. So, how do you think diversity can actually improve the kinds of buildings that we design and architecture as a whole?
1: Buildings tend to be a bit standardized. Having people uh, from you know different backgrounds and different countries and cities really helps. Diversity is key in keeping in mind that. You know, different cultures can, can be, you know, can be drastically different. And, and once a new one solution does not fit all.
0: Wonderful. So the, uh, even the notion of diversity and sustainability and empathy, all these are connected, right? Because you have that diverse background of your staff and, and your fellow designers. And that really allows you to reach out and understand the people that you're designing for, building that empathy. And ultimately, that helps all of us live in a more sustainable way.
1: Most definitely, yes.
0: Thanks so much, Charles. And with that, thank you for listening to Building Cities, Shaping Lives, a podcast by the Sabana Jerome Group, where we talk about how architecture, engineering, and managed services are shaping the world that we live in. I'm Daniel Lee, a communicator with the SJ Group. Subscribe to our podcast on your favourite platforms, and please consider leaving us a review to help make our future episodes better.